2: All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Flank. Thank you so much for downloading and, of course, subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. As always, there is a one-stop shop for everything, everything related to the Sooner Sports Podcast. That's online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. So thank you to everyone who subscribes. Thanks to everyone who downloaded. And thanks for listening as well. We started something with this bye week a little bit different, I, dare I, I say new for us, it's not like it's some sort of earth-shattering, groundbreaking thing in the world of podcasting or, or even radio, in that I realized I get an opportunity every week to talk a ton about the Sooners and, and college football in general. So on the podcast, you know we, we have Toby join us every Tuesday during the college football season, We have the writer's block and usually a special guest every single Friday for the tailgate edition. We want your questions. So I threw it out there, got a handful of really good ones. That's at OU on the air. So if you're not following us at OU on the air, go ahead and do so now. And throughout the weekend, throughout the week, Toby does a great job of kind of throwing it out there for questions to the coaches show. And of course, we do the assistant coaches show. But also, if there's anything you want us to go more in-depth on on the podcast, if there's any topics you want us to tackle, uh, we're here for you. So make sure you hit us up, at OU on the air. That's at OU on the air, and uh, we'll get your questions answered. As a matter of fact, Jason, at Jenks, listen to me. I sound like someone from out of town who's covering Jinx uh, At Jinx JJ17, and uh, at Powerman six or at TT four OU that's Powerman six twenty. We will be answering your questions today, coming up later in the writers' block with Brooke Pryor, who I think is making her podcast debut here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Norman Transcript Writer Tyler Palmatier joins us as well. Every week we try to keep it fresh with a different person who covers the Sooner beat, and obviously mix and match with different beat writers and. Uh, different radio guys as well too so uh, again we want to hear from you we want to kind of get into the topics that you want to get into so make sure you hit us up that's at OU on the air at OU on the air but before we get to the writer's block before we get to your questions let's welcome in a man who knows a thing or two about defense and a guy who joins us every single week on the OU radio network we start this bi-week edition by talking defense with former Sooner, All-Big 12 performer, Butkus and Bidneric Award winner Teddy Lehman. And we asked him, as he looked back to Saturday night, what was his biggest concern and what stood out to him with the Sooner defense?
1: They got to cover better. I mean, plain and simple, that's it. And I thought, you know, Jordan Thomas has kind of been hammered. I think there was several guys that made mistakes. I thought the backers had some some stuff in underneath coverage that wasn't very good. I thought there was time when safeties were out of position, and I thought there were times when both corners got beat. I saw Parnell Motley uh, make some big mistakes whenever he was in zone coverage. So um, I know Jordan Thomas got beat in some man-to-man stuff and had some problems out there, but I think the entire secondary was culpable.
2: With that in mind, can you can you take us through the challenge then that you face whenever you have it? Let's just say a team like Baylor that gets something going and they keep attacking it, Ted. Where's the biggest challenge and where does the biggest adjustment need to be made whenever maybe you've had a few things go against you and you've got to try to right the ship? Well,
1: it makes it really difficult for a defensive coordinator, especially whenever you get torched on some deep balls, right? Mm-hmm. And they hit on some plays that turn into long – long yardage gains and long touchdowns uh, you know and it happens multiple times you can only trust your guys so long before you've got to start softening up coverage and giving them more help over the top and kind of conceding the short passes I know people don't want to hear that and you want to be able to stop everything but whenever guys start making mistakes and they're getting beating coverage you know you've got to pull back a little bit and, and soften up the coverage so uh, I don't know. It's difficult. Whenever your corners start to lose confidence, it's it's hard as a defensive coordinator to really know what to do. You would like to say, hey, well, we can't cover very long, so let's just blitz the crap out of these guys. <laughs> well, if you do that, you're leaving your corners in tough one-on-ones with tons of green grass out there. So there really is no answer other than cover better.
2: Where have you seen the biggest improvement? Then, as we shift, I guess, more towards the defensive line, in Kenneth Murray through the first four games, Ted. I know you watch the linebackers closely, and I know you've kept a keen eye on Kenneth as a freshman. Uh, where have you seen him improve the most?
1: I just think he's he's more comfortable on the field. I think he's he's getting more and more experience. He's feeling a little more comfortable uh, in the game plan. I mean, you got to remember you. He was here through a spring and through a fall camp where you install defenses and it's base rules, right? I mean, you go through everything in the playbook and it's just it's real basic. Mm -hmm. You get into a season, you start game planning, you change those coverages and you change those blitzes and you change the rules on a week-by-week basis. And now that he's got four weeks under his belt, I think he's starting to – to realize that and understand and and enter each week with an open mind, and you know, all of the all of the the mental stuff is slowing down for him, and that's a good thing. Now, physically, I think he's got it, and he's getting more comfortable out there. His technique's getting better. His eyes are getting a lot better. You know, the first week of the season when we played UTEP, I'm watching him on some power stuff, and powers whenever. You have a lead back and an offensive lineman pulling around the formation. And he was lost. He was taking big false steps. He wasn't reading his keys. I watched him against Baylor with the same exact play, and now he's seeing the puller and he's reading his keys, and his footwork is a heck of a lot better. So he's just getting experience. He's just getting better pretty much in every aspect of the game.
2: Teddy, where did you make much – of his post game comments to us and I know he he's a young guy and I didn't I haven't like really dwelled on it too terribly much but when you asked if there were things that he saw differently and he didn't want to get into it too much to you was that just maybe a guy with a bit of a veteran move not wanting to make excuses afterwards
1: um I don't know I'm Baylor and it's not just Baylor if Oklahoma offensively goes into that Baylor football game, and does nothing that Baylor hasn't seen, well, that's crappy game planning. So if Baylor comes in to play Oklahoma, who's far better, more talented, if they don't do something that Oklahoma hasn't seen, that's horrible game planning. So I'm sure there was plenty of stuff that we saw out there, different route combinations, different protection schemes, a couple of different running wrinkles uh, maybe that they hadn't seen on film. If Baylor didn't do those things, I would be massively disappointed in that coaching staff.
2: Yep, yeah, and it appears that they did. Ted, now as time progresses and Kenneth Murray gets more comfortable, that whole linebacking core gets more comfortable, where will they start? Will we're, uh, where will other offensive coordinators try to take advantage uh, of that youth and inexperience?
1: RPO stuff and we saw a little bit of it with Baylor, not a whole lot, but as we move into conference play, that's going to be something you see a lot more, the run-pass option stuff. That's what really messes with the young linebacker's eyes because, well, whenever it looks like a run, it is a run. (laughs) But that doesn't mean the quarterback's going to pull it. The quarterback in an RPO, I mean, the offensive line thinks it's a running play. The running back thinks it's a running play, right? So it all looks exactly like a running play. But last second the quarterback's gonna on his own read and his own key keep the ball, pull it out of the running back's belly and throw it in behind the linebacker. So that's the hardest thing and that's the last thing to really to really get is the run pass option stuff. And sometimes there just there really isn't a good answer for that. You know, you just gotta play it by field. So that's going to be the hardest thing, and they're going to continue to attack um, the underneath coverage in in the passing game. We we get into conference now. We're going to see Kenny Hill. We're going to see Rudolph. We're going to see Shimanek. I mean, we're going to see some quarterbacks that can throw the football. So, you know, this Baylor thing is that's not going to be just a a one time fluke, in my opinion.
2: Have you? Dumped... We're going to continue. Oh, go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Well, I was I was just going to say, we're going to continue to see it in, in the RPO stuff, the run-pass option stuff. But have you been impressed, because I have been, with the way that Mike Stoops has decided to dial up pressure? I remember you even bringing it up late in that Baylor game instead of just sitting back in coverage. Man, I love the way how he's mixed and matched some blitz this year.
1: Mike has always had a, uh, a really good feel for the corner blitz. We bring our corners more than pretty much anyone I've seen, and when we bring them, Mike is always on point. He brings it right into a run when they're trying to, you know, do a perimeter run and our corners get them in the backfield or, um, you know, whenever the quarterback's trying to go across the field and we bring it to his blind side. I thought he did that the other night and had some big success. You know, one of the other big factors in that Baylor game that, really hasn't been talked about is when bolton went down Mm -hmm. and i know people say oh well bolton you know he's a backup linebacker what does that matter he is he is a huge factor in their third down scheme whenever they go three down and bring him in the game and they run some games with him and some pass rush stuff with him that is one of our maybe our best pass rush package so whenever that was done remember last year in texas tech Mm -hmm. same thing went down or uh it was oboe went down in that game and bolton couldn't be out there they didn't run that package with bolton anymore because Oboe's backup couldn't handle it so it's one of those things where if, if bolton can stay healthy and they can use that package on third down that helps the pressure on the quarterback a
2: lot Final quick thought before we let you go, because we've talked so much about the defense, and I never want to pigeonhole you as just a defensive guy because I know you have an incredible perspective on the offense. You're not one of those that needs an every down back, right? Do you like this idea of rotating backs because I kind of dig it, and then being able to have someone like Trey Trey Sermon to come in to to land that knockout punch?
1: No, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's a good problem to have whenever – You've got three different guys. I guess we've narrowed it down to three at this point, haven't we? Uh, Rodney Anderson's not getting much time at all. Um, I, I think that whenever you've got three guys, and really they've all got different skill sets. I think they're all good ball carriers. I think they all can catch the football. But I think Abdul Adams is the guy, whenever he's in the game, he's more versatile. He can do everything. Whenever Sutton's in the game, he's more of a quick scat back. He's going to do some things out of the backfield. But when Trey Sermon comes in, he's the hammer, right? They're running the football. So I think it's good for an offense to have those different type of weapons. And I don't know, defensively, it it makes it easy if you continue to keep Sermon in there as a runner purely. You can really key on that. But with Abdul Adams – I mean, they can do anything whenever he's in the game. And I do think that as the season goes on, we're going to see more sets, like we saw with P. Ryan and Mixon, where both Sermon and Abdul Adams are in the game. So I love it. I think it's great. And I always mess with Tyler on the show in the afternoon because he gets so caught up in, well, who's the best running back? Who's the starter? Uh, who Who should they get the most carries to? And I just don't think it matters. And I don't think this staff looks at it that way. I think you know whatever's working offensively, they're going to go with it. Whoever's got the hot hand at running back, they're going to go with it. If they need a tra- uh, they, if they need Trey Sermon to close out the game in the fourth quarter when they've got a lead, they're going to go with it. So I mean I love the running back situation right now.
2: Great perspective from Ted at Ted Layman eleven on Twitter. Give him a follow. All right, time to check in on those who cover the Sooners. Time for the Riders block. We do this on every Friday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Tyler Palmatier covers the Sooners for the Norman transcript, and we got his perspective on the 11 a.m. kick for the Sooners in their showdown against Iowa State. Just announced this week, 11 a.m. coming up next Saturday for OU and Iowa State. Is Tyler a fan of the 11 a.m. kick?
3: No, a couple of them, it's fine. I think, you know, what, would we, what was it last year or two years ago where it was just every, wow. seemed like it was every week, people, I, I think then you really are going to annoy a fan base and kind of annoy everybody, you know, because it's, it, you know, it does get a little bit old. A lot of these, a lot of people do have Friday night obligations, you know, with uh, either high school football or it's just, it's early for tailgators. It doesn't give you time to really, you know, fully, uh, you know, do the tailgating thing. So it's, um, no, I can certainly that i think it's i can see it both ways i think it's fun to sit there and tailgate probably all day for 7 30 kick and 2:30 is about perfect you know gives you a little bit of time to get out there so i don't know i no, i i'm good for a couple 11 a.m's but uh, please yeah i i wouldn't take five in a row and two in a row two in a row might be making me eat my words
2: <laughs> 11 a.m kick next saturday for iowa state we get the weekend off but uh you know, it's, uh, it was an amazing fourth quarter for Trey Sermon, and he does indeed get named the Newcomer of the Week. Uh, there was a point, at least in, in my, I guess, perspective, where I wondered, is he okay? You know, I was watching him on the bike. I tend to kind of stalk a little bit over there on the sidelines, but he looked okay. Uh, and then to see him come in the game, I, I don't know. I, I know we're not going to have defined roles, I think, for the most part, but Tyler, he looks really, really smooth in that closer's role with this team, doesn't he?
3: Yeah. And uh it that looks like it looks like yeah, he was a great closer. Maybe he should have been the, maybe he <laughs> should have been the starter, you know. I don't, that's that's the argument. I mean but who knows? You sometimes these guys I think that's kind of maybe what Lincoln Riley's tinkering with. You know, who uh who does but you know, when Trey Sermon got the start, it wasn't a it wasn't a great start. Right. Um and I mean, Abdul Adams got the start, got a 99-yard uh, run for a touchdown. So, you know, you can't so much argue with that. But um, I don't know. He he did look really good, and I thought that was the most fascinating part of that football game was that all of a sudden, yeah, you know, I look up, Trey Sermon's in the game. I'm thinking, okay, I have no idea now uh, what Lincoln Riley's going to do with his running backs. I, I, I am done trying to predict what this rotation's <laughs> going to look like. And then, you know, Lincoln Riley made himself look pretty smart with that move because um Trey Sermon did look really comfortable in that role and I don't know that that says so much about a freshman to be able to come in there and um and not just be able to sort of go from like you said he was getting warmed up on the bike you know he hadn't gone all game to be able to go in there and uh just look a hundred percent and and ready to go just go from zero to a hundred and not only that, but also take care of the ball. I think the level of trust they must have with him to take care of the football is um, through the roof, and and I, you can see that because one, he hasn't fumbled, but two, he's a he's got those big arms. He's a two hand on the ball type back. You know the way he runs, he he is always protecting the football. He, that the football's not out loose. Um, and so I just think it says a lot for them to say, okay, you know, just put him in in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. A, a turnover would have been would have been disastrous and they obviously were not worried about that, so I was super impressed with, with Sermon.
2: Yeah, me too. And you hit on something that we talked about yesterday when we were taping our spotlight show, Ty, Great Minds Think Alike, uh, protection of the football. Mm-hmm. That Abdul Adams wasn't on the field against Ohio State after a fumble. And I don't know if you got to watch Coaches Corner a couple weeks ago, But that's a a captain obvious moment maybe, too. But that's a key coaching point. Fumbles are unacceptable. I mean, fumbles are completely and totally uh, unacceptable. So to see freshmen not only run as hard as Trey Sermon did but protect the football, I I don't know how you – that adds playing time, even more so, I think, for a guy like Trey Sermon with how he protects the ball.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you know, there's going to be places where – Maybe fumbles can be tolerated, I guess. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jeff Bidette, he fumbled yeah. against Ohio State. and He stayed in. And, you know, Lincoln Riley said that's because he was making plays and we don't have as much depth there. Um, but he, but Lincoln Riley certainly does specifically seem to have this you're not going to fumble in my offense type mentality. And we saw that when Bidette fumbled on the one on the kickoff. I wasn't sure we'd see uh, – Jeff Bedette the rest of the game after that. And he didn't come back until way late and, uh, and really made up for it. So there, there certainly does seem to be something in this offense where, you you, you know, you can't do it. And with the running back, running back rotation, as deep as it is, you know, certainly, you know, you fumble, they're, they are going to give it to the next guy. So, um, and it's sort of been a – I don't know. I, w- I don't want to say that fumbles have been a problem for OU, but it's sort of trending all of a sudden. Um, there' been a you know there have been a couple big ones and from from key guys, even Mark Andrews coughed one up you know the other day sort of a strange fumble. It's one of those things you want to bottle up like as quickly as possible. It's not something you want to just keep trickling along. We fumble it once or twice a game even even if we fall and want to recover it, you know it's something I think they really want to get a handle on. so it's it's good that at least they do have a back identified now that uh, they can really trust with
2: the football yeah that's a great and that's a great point you don't want to say oh it's a problem but look back Marquise Brown's fumble was key to keep Baylor in the game after you know they were probably going on the type of drive that was going to cement things Mark Andrews against Tulane good point uh hey any update I know you're going to get a chance to talk to coach Riley later today but any update on Jordan Thomas any word on Matt Romar have you heard any buzz on either
3: I have not no and uh you know, Romar, he was a game-time decision for Saturday. So, uh, you know, that's what we were told. I have—I would think if that's the case, that he was that close to getting back, you know, with a bye week and then a, another week leading up to Iowa State. I think there's reason to be optimistic there. Uh, Jordan Thomas, he was seen walking around in a protective boot uh, after that game. But the reports I've heard uh, since are that, you know, Lincoln Riley, kind of believes he's going to be okay there's some optimism there but i i've heard nothing for sure on those guys boy that jordan thomas injury is a huge one to watch yeah. i mean there's everybody's ears are going to be up uh, when when riley speaks later because uh, their depth there you know with the injury to jordan parker it's one of those things jordan parker hurt himself earlier in the year on the, on special teams in the opener and everybody i think a lot of you fans had their fingers crossed like okay well this isn't a huge problem as long as we can keep everybody healthy. But now all of a sudden, you know, you get Jordan Thomas to go down and, and you've got a, a true freshman in, in Trey Norwood in focus and starting at, at that other cornerback spot. And you're kind of right back where you were uh, last year. So that's going to be, uh, you know, a big time storyline to follow for Jordan Thomas' health moving forward.
2: All right, thanks to Tyler Palmeteer for joining us, Norman Transcript. Now, I had mentioned off the top of the podcast that we really wanted to start implementing your thoughts, your takes, your questions. So I put it out on Twitter, at OUOnTheAir, questions for the podcast this week. And so I thought I'd pose them to Oklahoma beat writer Brooke Pryor. At JinxJJ17, this is Jason, he starts by asking, Do you think that the pass defense will be ready for the high-powered Big 12 offenses coming up? Me personally, I I do, and I think that's part and parcel to the defense getting healthy, getting experienced guys like Will Johnson back, getting talented playmakers like Robert Barnes back, more time in the seat, so to speak, for Pernell Motley, and obviously Jordan Thomas. He'll improve as well. So that's my take. What do you think, Brooke Pryor?
4: You know, I feel like we're having some deja vu right now, because I feel like I heard this question over and over again last year. But I'm going to say I think the answer is different than it was last year. You know, last year it took farther into conference play to figure out, like, hey, this this pass defense, it's kind of shaky, but it's going to hold up. And it wasn't really until Jordan Parker got in there and solidified that other side opposite of Jordan Thomas. Now you've got your two starting corners. You've got one starting safety. It sounds like Will Johnson's going to be ready to go. So I think with Will Johnson coming back, Robert Barnes probably coming back, it sounds like this past defense is going to be in a better position to fix the things that were exposed early on just with the number of guys that are going to be coming back from injury. Um, you know, Mike Stoop said the one thing that like, keeps sticking with me is that he said, hey, we know how we want to fix this. We want to go into the dime package more. We want to have six DBs out there when they're testing is deep. Um, we need to stop trying to make the home run play. Like, we're just going to do whatever it takes. They couldn't put those six DBs out there against Baylor as often because they didn't have them, you know, unless you start going way back in the depth chart, getting some freshmen um, and and kind of having to get creative there. But I think that with getting these guys back healthy, they're going to be in a lot better position than they were a year ago when guys were getting hurt. Um, They were, you know, falling out of favor for whatever reason. They were selling early on that they couldn't handle it. Seems like this year there is more depth and, and more things they can do back there in the secondary.
2: And the other question I seem to be getting a lot is is dealing with getting the other team's best shot. And I thought Coach Riley addressed that, hey, that's you know th- this is Oklahoma. That's nothing new for these guys. So I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I don't see that being a problem when you play Kansas State or Iowa State. I mean, you know with Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and TCU with all the hype around them. But, Brooke, I don't see that being a problem with this team as far as focus because you know that other team might not be as good as you or might not have as good – a a solid of personnel as you have, I think it's Oklahoma, and they're always used to getting an opponent's best shot.
4: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I think that the thing in that aspect that I'm interested to see is how Baker Mayfield kind of handles that going forward because, you know, his trash talk is always a story because it's always hugely entertaining, but it was especially a story against Baylor when he got picked up on one of the mics in that kind of pregame skirmish. And, you know, I'm sure some people had the reaction of, like, why are you trash Baylor? Like, we understand kind of the past rivalry, but they're 0-3 right now. Why are you doing this? And then, you know, Baylor comes out with that kind of same mentality that OU had at Ohio State and nearly, you know, pulls an upset or, you know, comes within eight points of beating the number three team in the country. So I don't know how OU will kind of adjust that. You know, do they want to keep fueling these other teams? Because, yeah, they're going to get their best shot, but – you know, how much more are they going to get by trash-talking them in the pregame? You know, you can't you can't take all the chips that are on your shoulder and start passing them out to other teams, you know, because that's going to make them even more dangerous and give them even more of kind of a passion to want to beat you.
2: Real quick before I let you go, Brooke, I just wanted to kind of double down on this. All the news involving Jordan Thomas seems to be good. I know you guys had what a little defensive availability on Tuesday, Wednesday night. Uh, did we learn anything more about Jordan? Does it look like it's going to be ready to go?
4: It, it does look like that. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley said Jordan was going to be just fine, which sounds pretty encouraging considering he had to be kind of carried off the field, was seen in a boot afterwards. But you know, I don't think anyone's going to benefit from this bye week more than Jordan. Just between his kind of rough game that he had he gets hurt like that could not have gone any worse you know that that sequence of things there 71 yard touchdown 72 yard touchdown has to be helped off the field so i think this week for him is as much about getting healthy as it is building his confidence back you know and knowing jordan i don't think that's going to be a problem um and hearing that he's going to be healthy for iowa state I think, should make everybody take a big sigh of relief.
2: Man, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks to Brooke for being a part of the podcast this week, Tyler Palmatier, and, of course, the legend, Teddy Lehman. A reminder of bye week, so enjoy a Saturday full of college football. We'll be back with Tuesday's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast featuring Toby Rowland and, of course, the lincoln Rally Press Conference. Until then, have a great off-weekend, everybody. And until Tuesday and the game plan, boomer sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at SoonerSports TV podcast, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.
1: Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane.